0: What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the medicine podcast. You got me, Mimi here. And
1: (laughs) what's going on, everybody? This is Chase. We are fresh off of an amazing trip up to Malibu, California, where we got to interview Lee McCloskey, just an incredible one of a kind guest. For the Mm -hmm. medicine.
0: Yeah. And if you're like us and you usually skip the podcast intro, we're going to request that you hold tight, be patient, and just listen to our intro on this one. There's a reason why both of us are, you know, wanted to jump on and and provide um, a little more context to our conversation and, you know, really just Lee in general.
1: Totally. We got a chance to connect with months ago through a part of a shared community of of spiritual individuals and uh, we're just like oh my god we have to get this guy in the podcast one because he's incredibly intelligent and in the way that he articulates his thoughts is poetic and artistic but two he is quite literally one of the best artists i've ever seen oh my in my god. entire life Definitely. and he has evolved his home in malibu california into this multi-dimensional interactive art installation yeah which Is why we wanted to take a little bit of time before we jump into the interview to at least layer some context in for you, the listeners and ideally viewers, Mm -hmm. uh, because we're going to be showing some some footage of what this art looked like so that you have some context uh, for the conversation that we had with Lee up at his home.
0: Yeah. So if you are listening to this on Apple or Spotify, you might actually want to jump over to YouTube and watch this so that you can see the, the sort of B roll footage that we got of his. Space. It is just absolutely. It was honestly one of the coolest, if not the coolest room I have ever been totally. in, in my life. Not just cool, but like astounding jaw dropping and unique.
1: It was the feeling of staring at the most beautiful night sky in the, in the middle of the forest where you're staring up and and the stars have never seemed more clear and you're like, oh my God, this is here all the time.
0: And stepping
1: into that space, stepping into his home and and specifically, uh, what we will call as Thoth's library as I'll Mm -hmm. describe shortly, uh, was that exact feeling. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we get opportunities to connect with amazing people often. And that's one of the best things about the podcast. And, and what you expect is usually, Hey, this individual's got a, a few few hours yeah. um, and in this case they might show us their work or take us through some of the things that they've done in this case it's it's lee's art and then we set aside some time to uh, record an interview and a lot of times it's relatively calendarized and transactional mm-hmm. and you get in and you get out and stepping through lee's door and connecting with him for the first time i felt just this energetic hug of mm-hmm. the fact that we're going to be here for the day yeah we're spending an entire day with this man and right away he starts literally describing his definition of what home feels like Mm -hmm. and when you love something you protect it and when you deem something sacred and precious you protect it and he almost within minutes described his home in that way. And we were both like, let's, let's go. Yeah, yeah. We're here at the foot of the master, just sitting as sponges to observe, uh, to soak up, uh, as much wisdom as we could from this guy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's share a little bit about Lee and, um, his background, um, just to give, just to give you as the listener, the watcher, a little more insight into like, who is he? Okay. Totally. He's a, he's an artist. Yes. But, but let's get into it a Yeah. So
1: Lee McCloskey, he's he's a multifaceted artist is is the way that I would put it. He's quite literally using brushes to create masterpieces through through paint, um, but he draws as well. But he's he's actually an actor um, and an author as well. He has starred in movies, television, theater for decades. You might recognize, or maybe your parents, if you're like us, where you'd recognize the show Dallas or the show General Hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a star on both of those shows, uh, which, which definitely rung a bell for me and, and definitely my parents. Uh, but in addition to his acting career, Lee is an accomplished author. He's written several books exploring esoteric and philosophical themes. Um, his work often you know, delves into topics not unlike what we talk about on the medicine, consciousness, spirituality metaphysics Um, you know a notable book is his book on the tarot called tarot revisioned um, as well as a book that he mentioned to us multiple times uh, throughout the day that we spent with him was adam reborn and eve restored his tarot book which he showed us it's this beautiful like coffee table style hardback book includes an entirely new and unique series of drawings that he drew representing the 22 archetypes of the major arcana of the tarot so these are new almost what you would would want to call more relatable um, artistic representations of these archetypes that we've talked about on the medicine before um, being the, the major arcana of the tarot and and just beautifully done. Um, But he's, he's maybe most, notably recognized for his art and specifically his home, uh, which is called Olandar and just like absolutely incredible name for his home. (laughs) Um, but he's created a diverse range of paintings and art installations that explore, uh, The intersections of all these topics, spirituality, consciousness, art, the human journey. And it often incorporates like really beautiful archetypical imagery, Mm -hmm. um, sacred geometry. I want to
0: pause you there just for a second, because when you say art installation, (sighs) what that means, you guys, is he turned his home into the art piece. Yeah. So his entire library is painted the the ceiling, the floors, the walls, the books, the couch, the pillows, the chair. Like everything is painted with these, like undescribably beautiful pieces of art. So the whole room is the art piece. Totally. So that's what we mean by art installation.
1: And very specifically, this dedicated section of his of his home, uh, his library, is called. The hieroglyph of the human soul aka thoth's library yeah this is an immersive and symbolic art installation the the art of this incredible human being's mind was installed quite literally into the surface of his of his home um and it's it's designed to evoke this almost psychedelic journey of exploration this contemplation of the depths of our mm-hmm. human uh, and spiritual experience that we're having it it incorporates you know a host of different visuals and mm-hmm. and what he did to us over the course of two hours was walk us through this room um from its you know generation point the point that he had this creative mm-hmm. um flow of energy to start painting and to start cohesively bringing these ideas that he's had together in the form of of this art installation um but it without drugs at all
0: yeah 100 sort of like sober
1: sucks you into this uh vortex of fractal patterns and beautiful sacred geometry mm-hmm. and representations of things that seem um Wild and and out of the box, yet are resonating. They, mm-hmm. It feels as if you've seen them before, maybe in a distant dream or a distant lifetime or something. Um, and he he sort of ha- holds your hand through this process, um, points your eyes literally to your to your feet to to the ceiling, maybe to your left or to your mm-hmm. right, and explains these different images and how they work yeah. together yeah. to conjure something of meaning from from one who's stepping through this and and uh, you know all of that to say. This is what we were there for. This mm-hmm. experience, this mm-hmm. psychedelic journey and exploration yeah. into his work, but also its ability to reflect in us mm-hmm. attributes that that hold um, some level of resonance. And uh, it's what he does often. He is he is one who likes dialogue and likes conversation and for for decades now he hosts weekly conversations with individuals not unlike ourselves who want to learn from him want to put forth ideas that can collectively be you know massaged or articulated in a way that can that can bring up meaning
0: yeah he's had a he's had a study group there for over 25 years every week for 25 years which is just like (laughs) Wow, and so clearly this man this, this man
1: is multifaceted in in his artistic expressions. Mm-hmm. But all that to say, all that to give the context uh, for the conversation that we have with him, and uh, we spend you know a couple hours. It's a traditional length of time with the medicine uh, podcast interview, but we jump right into it. Yeah, we get right into it with Lee because he has so much to offer. We sort of skipped the who are you, what's your background type of yeah. uh, questioning. have included it in this intro um, but we just get right into the conversation
0: yeah we we do what's called a hot open and it is a hot open so we we didn't want to waste any time and I think you guys will really enjoy the conversation it was definitely a stretchy conversation and interview for us meaning his mind is so different than anyone we've ever spoken to that you really need to be like firing on all cylinders to to like keep up with him. And I, I love those guests. You know, it's challenging us uh, not only as as hosts of the podcast, but also as people who are willingly learning from this person. He is a true wise elder And he has so much studied experience and then lived experience through his expression of art. Definitely, definitely, if you're listening, definitely go back and check out the YouTube at some point so that you can see what we're talking about. Um, And it's it's almost like taking a picture of a sunset. You know, if you video a sunset or take a picture of a sunset and then you're looking at it, too, you're like, dang it. It doesn't quite do it justice, um, but you'll you'll get the idea, and uh, so yeah, we just we invite you to stay open and just absorb. Um, You might find yourself being stumped by some of the bigger concepts that he dives into but i think this type of uh, education and information there's something about it that is like resonant where you might not be able to teach it back to someone else right next to you but there's something about it that just lands in you and you can feel some morsel of truth like landing in your
1: heart lee speaks in poetry Mm -hmm. his articulation of his thoughts is like music um it's not unlike reading or listening to shakespeare mm-hmm. where the language is is poetic and artistic And you may not be able to turn to your friend and repeat what you just heard, but you know that what you heard was felt Mm -hmm. and that there was meaning from it. And that's what I encourage anybody about to listen to these next uh, the next hour and a half or so of conversation with Lee to do is to sit there and surrender to the art quite literally in the form that that we were able to witness in his home. But also to the art form that is Lee's ability to communicate these very, very complex High level themes and archetypes into into the English language that we can take and do something with. Yeah. And uh, so I just I just ask everybody to, to jump into this vortex with us, mm-hmm. um, whether you do it now or later, jump on to YouTube. Um, I say that because you'll be able to see the episode uh, and all of the art that we're referencing, as well as engage with us. You know, podcast platforms don't have a comment section, and we want to point people towards YouTube, even if you listen to the audio and only go back to use the comments, but to engage with us because we're going to do a great job of engaging with any comment or question that's put forth on the YouTube video. So
0: yeah, we always want to hear from you guys.
1: Without further ado, I am so honored to welcome our guest, Lee McCloskey, and we get right into it.
0: Let's jump in. What do you wish humanity valued more?
2: Themselves. One can argue that one of the great sadnesses of our time is meaninglessness. And if you feel meaningless, it's because you don't feel there's anything of real value inside of yourself. And and I think if I had to generalize, I would say, I would say, it's, it's the knowledge now of how do we address who and what we are, and why do we ask the questions we ask. So I think that yeah, it's themselves ultimately. That's the that's the answer, mm. not the answer, but the, <laughs> the suggestion.
0: Mm. Yeah, I love that. It's um, because it, the way that we see the world is also sort of reflective or rather how we see ourselves is reflective of how we see and interact with the world and others around us i don't think that they can be separate right
2: no if you think a lot of my work has to do with the realization that we are holographic meaning that there's no there there in a hologram and that if we begin to recognize i was quote Walt Whitman who wrote that for every atom belonging to me as good belongs to you. And if we begin to understand the energetic nature, the atomic nature, then there really is no separation between myself and this chair. There are boundaries, but it's energy. And this is one of the things that I always use a theater uh, proposition, which is that when we begin to understand that there is a play, and that we're characters in a play, meaning our characters are different from one another, but they're each uniquely important to the larger conversation going on, we have a sense of context. And this also allows ourselves to understand a relationship of why oftentimes we're, we have a blind side or we have a relationship with a partner where uh, they point something out. And it's that essentially to say that you are always in a state of of uh, discovery always in a state of you're not finishing anything you're always in a state of in a sense exploration and expectation and that we're at a point now where we have spent so long thousands of years on the unique ego of the individual the isolated self the isolated character and the place we're at now is that question of the play meaning what am I participating in? I've been this lone actor having no sense of what the point is. And that's why a lot of the, the narrative here has to do with art, community, the recognition that um, we must come together and inspire each other. My father was an artist and he was one of the founders of the Malibu Art Association. And he would always, he really just brought home to me and, I, and I've continued the tradition which is that, that imaginative, creative, just people, essentially, have to get together and inspire each other. Mm. You know, not critique each other. Mm-hmm. Because the question now is, well, when you leave a gathering, are you exhausted? Or mm. are you energized? Mm-hmm. Because if you're energized, then essentially you're building toward a greater sense that any performance, like a musician, or an actor, I am as good as the person I am generous with in terms of if I'm leaning into the rift as a, as a musician, then I listen to you, I lean with you, we lean together. Same thing with acting, same thing with dancing, same thing we would argue really about the more interesting side of being human. It's always relational, it's not isolated. And we're isolated because we forgot that we must be that which brings to the story the sense of a narrative that includes us, and you could argue that we've been trained by narratives that say you don't matter.
1: Mm-hmm. No wonder
2: people are having such meaninglessness uh, experiences.
1: Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what well, comes up for me, and, and you hit it right on the head as we open the the with the first question is, we are valuable. We have value, and to participate in this play, as you so beautifully put it would be to feel as if what we have to bring towards the play is worthy of being there. And I think that as we have not realized our value in this play, the easy default would be to begin to hate uh, in place of knowing that we can be involved in this this grant experiment, if you will.
2: Yeah, this relationship of knowing what we hate and forgetting what we love I think that that's why when we begin to understand that what we're going through personally, going through collectively, is a very deep examination of, well, what do you love? What matters to mm. you? Are you honoring the things that matter to you? Or are you arguing about things that aren't even your own story? There's somebody else's anger that you've adopted as your own. Because much of this, you could argue, is a mental martial art. Uh, because every sacred text, every ancient text, every, uh, in a sense, ma- uh, martial art text is, what are you paying attention to? Because everything is actual, but not everything is real. Are you engaging in fights that are not your own? Don't do that. You know, in other words, we start to recognize that that if things are done for us, there's always the control of another authority. So we're at a time where everyone's saying, I don't trust authority. I don't trust this. Well, that's the time when you begin to say, then who do you trust? And if you only have you, then you must begin with this. I am that. And build from there. Otherwise, we're adopting ideas and beliefs like a garment. And as soon as that garment is out of date, we throw it out and select another one. But we're not... Uh, collectively, I don't believe we're not being given time now Mm. to just sort of vacillate, oh, maybe it's this, let me get angrier, let me... No, everything that's going on now, anger management, uh, all of it, is about trying to turn us away from this using what we hate as a navigational tool to get through the world. Because essentially what we hate is the outcome of what we are afraid of. Mm. And if we don't feel that there's anything of real value in ourselves, we're afraid of that. Mm. And Mm -hmm. therefore we cast a dark shadow on the world and find enemies. Mm. And this is where I do. I feel like it's always going back to the etiquette of energy. How am I using my energies? Am I using them in a way that is generous? And And I don't mean generous even with others. I mean generous with myself. Because often the damage that's happened, because we must understand that we've inherited a very traumatized human psyche. And no matter how well you cope or maintain, there's still this underlying emptiness, this this trauma, the sense of futility, the sense of, well, what's the point then? If we're simply going to repeat the same ageless uh, anguishes, why? But here we begin to understand in the hieroglyph of the human soul where we're sitting that it's time to reframe what what and who we think we are and why we're asking the questions we're asking. Because again, if we think of theater and we step back into looking at the larger picture, then you say, well, what's the theater of the human story? You know, what is it that I'm part of? Why why have we been climbing up this hill only to have it fall back down over and Mm. over again? Why in every life have I come in with this great sense of possibility only to find that it is either extinguished, it's not given any room to breathe, and yet it's so important to me. I'm a guardian of something that no one cares about. But the next question is, ah, if no one cares about, maybe it's you that has to care about Mm. it. And do you see how that just takes us away from waiting to impose upon waiting to change and looking at ourselves as a seed and then questioning ourselves saying, all right, if it begins with me, then what should I pay attention to? Where should I begin my story from? And when I look at the world, not to find out what's wrong with it, but look at it symptomatically as a doctor would, then I realize symptoms are saying in in a time of chaos, you must find a way to find health because no one will do it for you. You must. But that's also when we begin to mature. Mom and dad aren't doing it for us. The chariots in the sky aren't showing up. Do you know, we are alone. What do you do? Well, you get more practical. You look at the people you love and you say, I'm going to begin with this story. I love these people. So my story's not going to be about what I hate for the world. These people don't deserve that narrative. They deserve a better narrative and maybe I need to work a little bit harder. Figure out how I can add some yes, not just a bunch of yikes. <laughs>
0: you said that we've inherited—I uh, forget the exact words you used—but we humanity has inherited um, a traumatic history. Mm-hmm. Is yeah, that what you traumatized, said? Traumatized. Yeah. Traumatized. Yeah. <laughs> Have we ever not inherited a traumatic, traumatized history? Has that has that ever not? Existed?
2: It's always existed, which helps us understand life as alchemy rather than as as product or as outcome. Because the alchemy says, look, have you ever avoided the month of October? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: there are simply givens. This is the, mm-hmm. it helps us with the archetypes to understand that when we begin to understand consciousness as an instrument and the keys or the archetypes, the structure, we begin to recognize that, oh, you're given an instrument, I'm given an instrument. The key, so to speak, is you will play it differently than I will. But you're not incomplete. You're given a whole and holy instrument. But the instrument, the DNA, the weave, the coat of many colors, to get here, now think about it. Think of the disappointment, not just in one's own life, but amplify that across the ages. Amplify tragedy. You know, amplify everything we're experiencing now. And you could say, well, how could the human even endure that type of psychic pain? You know, how could you come back from so many impossible tragedies? This is when I start to sense the heroism of who and what we are. Because I realize that this willingness to endure and this unwillingness to quit tells us not simply about my character as human, but about the human character and this helps us take history and not blame it not find out oh they did this to those of course they did because it wasn't about knowing it was about gathering taking insisting building if we think about the development of an ego in the last 2000 years it had to be based on i am not that Hmm. Hmm. i am not you i am me but we come full circle. That's why this work is in my home. That's why we're talking, and we've talked before this about community. Is that that once we return home, we realize we're in this together, but we're all damaged. Because the whole point is, if you could find your way home, what do you do with the self-loathing? What do you do with the unforgivableness in the sins of Adam? You know, what do you do? I mean, I've experienced this, and I, I was very fortunate to find Carla because I feel that in her love, there was the amelioration of of something I could not have forgiven myself for. Hmm. And I'm not a bad guy, but I just realized that we're dealing with all of the stories, choices, that got us here. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just, we can't blame it. And when I was in um, Cambodia in a killing field and I didn't wanna be that we're gonna, you know, ended up being let off the bus in this rain, this warm rain in in what had been a killing field. And it was a gorgeous garden, but there were millions of dead in the ground that had been slaughtered just brutally, just beyond evil. And what was extraordinary was the, it told me, you are not to grieve because all you wanna do is weep. Mm-hmm. These are not your tears. These do not belong to you. They mm-hmm. belong to the mothers and fathers. They belonged to the wives and husbands, the childrens, babies, and then it said, "Do not look into the heart of darkness." You know, it was about about about. It was not interested in my petty emotions, in how deeply anguished I was. It was this: don't know. That's not interesting. You are not to weep. You are to leave a sentinel, leave part of yourself. You are to witness. You cannot change this but you can honor it by not looking away. Mm. Mm. And I feel like that's why there's a library in this home. Those killing fields are in a lot of these different stories, the way we've treated
0: Mm.
2: our human brothers and sisters. And we can't sit and righteously go, oh, I'm not one of them. Oh, yes, we are. Mm -hmm. We all are. Yes. And that's where we find forgiveness. Because if we realize we all are, then the only way we can actually change the human story is by making the story more human. Mm. And this is very important for us. That's what you're doing. I feel this is what we're all trying to do, which is say, why are you agreeing to agree with the story you've been told? <laughs> can you do any better? Mm. And if you can, what would you bring to the story? And think like a gardener. A gardener isn't trying to grow food for the world. A gardener is trying to create a relationship with nature That allows through that rapport, whether it's flowers or food or both, to get a sense that what I put in comes back and that who I am is not just inside of me, but it's what I put my energies into. Mm. And there's a reciprocal element. And I do feel with a lot of the iPhones and a lot of the trapment of cyberspace and AI and all of this, that it is imperative to understand that we are the AI we're the ancestral intelligence, Mm. we are the Mm. AI, we are the archetypal intelligence, we are the AI, we are the artist intelligence, and all of these, and even the AI, the alien intelligence, and they're all in us. And so, again, the key now is what story are you adopting as your own? Are you ever home? Where do you live? Because as I said, one of the difficulties was bringing ourselves back home after fighting so many dragons you don't know how to take off the armor but I think that that's the generosity here it's saying it's not something big it's something intimate it's something loving it's something that as you sit in a library and you say God look at all the wars look at all the hate look at all the violence Look at all the art. Look at all the beauty. Look at all the music. Look at all the meaning that came out of never knowing why. And then you step off the planet and go, wow. Wow, we're willing to endure until we finally blossom. Mm. And a lot of my work is, if you think from a seed, right, you're compacted in the earth. You're contained. And there it's kind of cozy because you know where things are. (laughs) But then you die to that. Literally, the seed. As St. Paul says, you know, seed does not sprout lest it die. And so it dies and we then sprout, we change, we move up into the earth and it's compacted again and we're in the dark. So we're always, our ego is against pushing against something, right? And then we break free of that finally and we're, then we're growing in the air, but we're reaching and reaching. We don't know why. And then we finally get to the point where we've got a closed fist because we're really surviving the seasons, right? We're budding, but... When you're in a bud and you've protected yourself, then if you lose your grip, right, you're going crazy. But the season hits and suddenly you, you're losing your grip and you don't know why until finally you fully open and realize this was the time of the blossom.
1: Mm.
2: You, in a sense, the bud cannot know. It feels what the blossom is, but until it opens, it cannot know. That's also the art side of consciousness, Mm. because the art side is not a product, as I say. It's our willingness to step into not knowing and to be mentored by it, rather than illustrate something we think we
1: know beforehand. Beautiful. How do you know, and you touched on home and, and what you love, how does one know that they're home, and how does one truly know what they love? I think one begins honestly by saying, I don't know,
2: (laughs) you know, not to have a, but, but I would like it, I could use a creating a character as an actor, as an example. You don't know, you know, you're going to play Hamlet. Uh, I don't know if I can do that. Well, let's find out. Um, I don't know Hamlet. Well, I'm going to have to learn the lines. Then you're going to have to rehearse and then you're going to experiment, and then finally you'll find that at a certain point this Hamlet character will be you. A bit like learning to dance. You know, you go through, you step on your toes, then suddenly, two days later, you're dancing. And you think, well, how did that happen? Why, you know, what, what went into me that finally allowed me to go from stumbling to dancing? The same thing with our human journey. If we treat ourselves kindly, and this is one of the things I tell people when they come and visit here, I say, look, when you see this art, there's 43 years of my life here. You're not looking at something that happened. I didn't just turn on a light switch. (laughs) Do you know, it's taken a lifetime. Now that's helpful for all of us because it's actually indicative of, through art, but to say, look, being human is a life process because it's not about, as we always say, it's not about outcome, it's not about destination. But if we think it's about blossom, Then it would be, you'd say, all right, I would give you a certain criteria. Where do you feel safe? Where can you close the door? Mm. Where can you turn off technology? Where can you say, at least here, these things matter to me? I will create, maybe it's a corner of a room. Maybe it's just four foot square. I'm gonna put everything I love about being human here. Mm. I'm gonna create a, a place of focus. So that as I'm caught away and watching too much news, info news, I'm sorry, it's not news. Um, uh, Yeah, too many soap operas. Um, uh, That I'm going to build from where I honor what is sacred. I will not ask anyone permission. I will not ask anyone what they think. And I tell artist friends of mine now, I say, look, and this applies to many, many things. Never ask someone what they think about your art. Ask them what your art makes them think. Mm. Otherwise, they'll give you their critique and you don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. We do the critique for ourselves. Yeah, yeah, mm. no doubt. So we are in a process now of, of beginning to, once again, ask fundamental questions. Where do you feel safe? Where, do you, where can you close the door? Where can you say, at least this matters to me? It doesn't have to matter to you. It matters to me, and that's enough. And if you're not interested, this is not going to be our conversation about how you're not interested in order to make sure that if you're not doing something, you want everyone else around you to not be mm-hmm. doing it either because it makes you feel much more satisfied. you see how that psychologically, a lot of times people will offer their critique because unfortunately they're actually keeping themselves from having to face themselves to overcome their own resistance their own vulnerability or oh, what will people think that's really important uh, you know because a lot of times what will people think is big in this damaged trauma traumatized human mm-hmm. weave that we bear mm-hmm. what will they think
0: okay it's official <laughs> i am on the she legit train y'all if you haven't heard of it, Shilajit is an ancient superfood harnessed for its tangible impact on strength, vitality, and energy. It contains an abundance of trace minerals, antioxidants, organic acids, and nutrient transporting compounds. It is a total badass supplement, you guys. But anyone who has taken She before knows that it tastes like tar. (laughs) Well, finally, the formulation geniuses at Organifi have somehow found a way to make it tasty in their new She gummies. Since taking these gummies, it's enhanced my stamina for workouts and really gives me better energy throughout my entire day. I genuinely love these gummies, and so does everyone else. Organifi can hardly keep them stocked. To support your mitochondria, eliminate heavy metals, and fuel your body with critical trace minerals, go to Organifi.com and use the discount code MIMIFIT, that's M-I-M-I-F-I-T, for a hefty 20% off your SheLegit gummies or any other Organifi products. Enjoy. Enjoy
2: that's why a lot of my work here and i and i feel why it's been very private for a very long time was it insisted that it grew away from that other conversation that i experienced as an actor professionally which was everyone thinks their opinion matters uh, do, do you know it's just oh i like it i don't like it and, and that can drive somebody very far away from their creative muse absolutely mm-hmm. you know they try to Be please others; they try to, and and so a lot of it. I and I think part of our story now is that in an art in a world where art no longer has relevance, it's a commodity, and it's now that we we really reestablish our relationship with the creative spirit. And I think I would even say to someone that said, "Well, you know, what does that mean?" I would say, "Look, go to a stream bed or you know out into nature, and don't." Don't, in a sense, allow yourself to honor that dialogue in you that's really resistant. Just say, yeah, I honor it. But then cultivate another voice that that says, okay, I I agree this is nonsense and there's no connection to nature. Whatever the cynical side of oneself is going to throw up, say, thank you. Thank you for that. You're doing a really good job of telling me why it's pointless. But let me add this to the conversation. Let me see what happens. And then we bring, you see, that's like bringing something into a character. We start to add to it. Well, okay, yeah, I can, I can be very cynical. I can see why. But I can also choose to approach it differently. And I think that's what, what the sign of maturation that I see in consciousness going on, is that nothing is going to be given to us. We must evolve into, if you want a relationship with consciousness, you must have a relationship, not an entitlement. Mm-hmm totally
0: Mm. yeah that's so good um sorry did i no 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 okay please uh, that's so good having a relationship with consciousness not an entitlement and I feel that that deeply, uh, of course that you could take that in so many different, so many different angles and aspects of the human condition and the human experience. But one of them, a really relevant one in 2023 as more research is coming to the surface, um, more people are opening their arms to things like psychedelics um, and plant medicines. And I get the sense from some people sometimes that, they are feeling entitled to this consciousness, to this higher levels of these higher levels of consciousness, it, and it's not so much a relationship. And um, I'm just reflecting back to you that that feels so resonant with um, experiences that we've had, and um, seeing other people's experiences where they almost have this expectation. Entitlement is a great word for it, where it's like I was going into this journey or this experience expecting this to happen mm-hmm. and it didn't and now i'm disappointed
2: yeah yes absolutely. <laughs> and
0: this is just one example of course but um it is it is really i think resonant not only for people who um you know venture into plant medicine and, and psychedelics of course but this is relevant and and true in you know, just the, the experience of the everyday, everyday person, everyday life is wanting it, that instant gratification. I want this now. I need Mm -hmm. it now. I, I, if I don't have it now, then what, what, what good is it? Um, rather than build, taking the time to build a relationship, Mm -hmm. to build a foundation with the thing, whatever the thing is. And, you know, there's so many Beautiful, but also scary parts of this little black box that sits in my pocket all the time. And I think the the instant gratification slash entitlement that humanity feels, I think in large part to this little black box in our pocket is pretty scary.
2: Yeah, and, and I, I call it the three S's, the spiritual superiority syndrome, mm-hmm. uh, which, yeah, the little black box, the, the, the in your head. Essentially, that's all well and fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. It's not that that's what, but, but you're right about this instant gratification. That is really a very good attitude if you want to be controlled by others. Mm-hmm. Because the less time you have cultivating you the more time you spend being essentially a commodity for them
0: consuming consuming Mm.
2: and and i think that this is why again the etiquette of energy the the relationship with the martial arts of consciousness now is yes if you run away and constantly need to be distracted you're living on adrenaline you're living on on shock you're living on and, and even the poet Wordsworth said that you know the, that the more an individual needed uh, more and more shock to stimulate their imagination, by a degree, the less imagination they have. And that's why I'd rather feel like people, when they come and do the walkabout tour here and we do events here, I'll tell them, I said, look, you know, I spent six hours cleaning before you came here. And they're like, well, it's like, it's and they don't, but I'm saying, because what I'm trying to say is that there's a custodial element it's not just being creative. The creative goes, oh, yeah, I'd just like to have the sales out, have the crew take care of it. And, and that's kind of the model of the creative. You know, if you get rich enough, you just have a bunch of people doing it for you. But that's not the relationship with the creative spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, that's in a way a celebritization of it. It's 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 where it's more of an outward model rather than what I'm talking about, which is really reclaiming the inward model of of the creative spirit, meaning you are, it's not something you have, you are the creative spirit. The reason you live your life as who and what you are is because it's an expression of the creative spirit. So essentially it'd be saying, are you going to connect with this quality of who and what you are? Or are you gonna connect to the quality that is you when you look in the mirror or you look in the television or you look at your phone? Because that's reflective. That's not coming from within to without, that's coming from out to in. And that's why it'd be like standing next to a mirror, right? And that that the closer you get, the less distance you have. And the faster things seem to be going. But they're always in this reference to you. Always in this reference of the immediate sense of me. But again, that gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And more and more claustrophobic. And less and less able to handle the world because there's such fright of leaving that tiny little place. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so surprising is how small people are making themselves. I mean, because at a certain point, it does come down to options. <laughs> <It> comes <laughs> down to like, you could uh, kind of breathe into that, that smallness. Do you realize what you've turned the world into, really? It's that uninteresting. It's that afraid of the imagination. But I think only an individual can actually challenge themselves. I don't think you can bring anybody out of a trance. But I think a lot of people are entranced now. Mm -hmm. Media has and We don't understand. It's even physiological. But that if you have more than 25 stimuli going on simultaneously, you go into a type of suggestive hypnotic state of consciousness.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, well, yeah. We all know that feeling. Like everyone yeah. listening knows what that feeling is. Where you're, you know, just take social media for example, where you're scrolling. You've you've scrolled about, you know, a mile <laughs> with your thumb, and ten minutes, twenty minutes, whatever time has passed by, and you're like, we, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how am I still doing this? And it's like you you recognize that you are in this trance state, and it actually it takes some effort to bring yourself out of it and and close it down and you know go be in the real world we all know that feeling and so if that's happening on an individual level of course it's happening on a collective level Yeah, and and (laughs) that is just a little micro um micro experience of the macro experience right now and um I think it is. It is definitely encouraging the 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 smallness and the almost like self imprisonment yeah. that we are that we're feeling um, as individuals. And then it, like you said, it bring it makes your world so small that actually dealing in reality feels almost too. It feels like it's outside of our scope of experience or or ability. Because we've made our world so small. Well,
1: And coming all the way back to how we remember our value and how we find our value such that we can contribute in a co-creative way to the space. I'm even thinking of, and just the language that you've been using, the blossom. How we fall in love with the blossom and remember the relational aspect of the blossom. We are focused on the yield. We're focused on the bounty, which mm-hmm. is very transactional. It's fixed. And what I and what I love about finding a relationship with the blossoming of mm-hmm. oneself and one's value is that it is about quality, where the expectation-based, outcome-based uh obsession with the yield mm-hmm. is quantity and it's my value is based on its quantification and how much can be counted or weighed or measured where a blossoming seems more relational and has more of a quality to it such that we are finding or measuring our value by its quality, less about its quantity, if you will. And um, just kind of piecing those together. It's just a uh, really, really incredible. And part
2: of the element here of why I'm, talk about this art being in domestic space, in private space, in intimate space, is that's where we're 24 hours a day with ourselves. It's not something we get away from, we go to. And and I do feel like that's that, again, the question of well, where and what and how do we, in a way, allow for reality to grow from our condition and not, as you say, sort of just fall into that that overwhelm of what is reality, what is, you know, it's it's that beginning to, I think, re-anchor ourselves into, well, where are we setting off from? Mm-hmm. You know, can we find, because my work with the tarot is a wheel, means wheel. And the same thing with my mandala work with the phoenix rise, that's a wheel as well. And I realize that the point of the wheel, the turning of the wheel, you know, and I even think of the archetypes as pushing the spokes out. All of these processes of pushing out the outer wheel, and that finally we've done that. But now we're on the outer wheel. We're mm. we're still using time and progress, and as you say, product. You know, what do I have? How can I measure this? And yet imperceptibly, because the world, even you could argue that where people are getting everything, all the houses are, it's empty. It's like ugh. You know, it's like, and uh, it's not like this sense of oh my God, do you see how beautiful. It's almost like you see how lucky that eye is. on I mean, my God, he's got a sports. You know, And that's that's what you'd say. Surface. It's all about optics. It has nothing to do with energy. And I think that's the emptiness of the promise. Now it's like you too could have this emptiness, mm-hmm. um, but lots of it. Have your own security because someone could kidnap your kids. You're so you know. It's like. You start to do all the math and you think, God, nobody's actually got to be loving it up. I mean, because essentially we're all so far away from the sense of well, where where did we begin the story to begin with? We began, you could say, in the ancient caves, trying to use story in order to cultivate meaning. And we followed a map of meaning and a narrative that led us now into an age of meaninglessness because Mm. it allows in a way, this very capricious side of the human nature to operate, which is the devourer, meaning that, that I want, I call it the disease of more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want more, 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 more. It's, and it's empty, empty, empty. And, and that's why our arts, if they're not used as, oh, I'm an artist, but our arts are used as, no, my love, where I closed the door and realized that the questions I asked—I can say this as an artist—the questions I was asking were not what the art world was asking. It was an agreement in the art world, like acting. If you want to be in this world, we're asking these questions. This is our philosophy. And guess what? If you're not, if you're not on, on that side of it. Bye-bye, you know, not interested in you. We have our own brand of celebrity, just like you actors do, just like you fashion people do. And if you understand that not as, oh, that's terrible, but no, it's business, just the way it is, then actually there's a gift given to the creative being that says, well, I can't, I'm not interested in asking those questions. But if I ask these questions or I write this poetry, I got to realize no one's going to read it. No one's going to say, oh, I got to have more of this. You're going to be alone, but my question is, what's your first relationship? Is it with the creative spirit or is it with the mirror? How many people know about you? Mm. And I think that's why this art is what it is, and I think that's what people get, is this is a lifetime beginning going back to the tarot. This is a completely bastardized bastard system to a great degree. Oh, why why have you cared about? So that had to be sheltered at home Mm -hmm. because I wasn't in a world that said, oh, gosh, this is wonderful. I mean, I I got comments like a a friend, an academic friend of mine said, Lee, you're you're so talented, but why on earth would you waste your time on such a nonsensical tradition as the tarot? Mm. He meant it. You know, and I realize, of course, now that that is how many people see these things, Mm -hmm. which is fine. So I feel like the archaeologist that said, well, you know, I realize my neighbors aren't interested, but I am. And I just kept going deeper and deeper and deeper, and I found a resource and a community that would gather, saying, yeah, if if we get together and we're curious, then we create the conditions that allow these energies to gather as well. And going back to what you're saying about people feeling that they need, you know, sort of immediate gratification, there comes a time, and I, and I think this is what the Maya talked about, and this is the time where you will not be able to supply that emptiness mm. with any amount of stuff. Mm-hmm. You will still feel empty. And that's what we're dealing with. And as a matter of fact, I had a, a, a winter solstice vision in 2011. And I'd done a ceremony here, and I'd, I'd you know it was beautiful, and I walked up here and I, I was looking at at um, the Grail. I was looking at Eve and Sophia, and and I thought, why, why, does the human being what what is the, what is this pain? What's this emptiness? What why why is what is this that can never be filled in? And it took me to a, a chimney tree, one, a burned out uh, ancient sequoia, standing thousands of feet tall, but is hollowed out on the inside but it was still living. And you could see all the way up to the top, like a chimney all the way to the top. And it said, the voice said, well, you see, this this is the human tree. In ancient times, great fires hollowed out this tree, but it didn't die. And so it kept yearning, kept reaching for the sky, kept hoping if God got high enough, it could finally reach God. But there was always this emptiness. There was always this hole at the center of the heart. Like, what's missing? What's and that created a yearning and a yearning and a yearning. And then it took me up through the top and out through the top. And it asked me a question, which I I found and still find captivating. It said, Is this tree beautiful in and of itself? Hmm. And I thought, Yeah, it's extraordinary. It looked like this twisted, gnarled Monterey, you know, type of just weathered. And gorgeous, but but tortured gorgeous. And I said, yeah, it's beautiful in and of itself. It doesn't need to be more. And then it took me back up to the top of the tree. And it showed me, I looked down and I saw all of these embers, these sparks coming from all different parts of the tree, up through that hollowness. And they were coming up through the top of the chimney. Now some were going th- up through the top and they were turning into Stars. And then others were coming up to the top, and there was a vortex that was forming. So there was a, a, a wheel, a vortex. And as it turned at the top of the tree, I noticed in the middle, there was what was a type of golden glowing brain, an orb. Hmm. And it said the human being hmm. does not yet have a brain. <laughs> if I only had a brain. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that we have an operating system. And that this hollowness, this yearning has created a rugged beauty that without knowing why, it still has created great beauty. But now what's forming out of all of these different qualities is a type of coherence, a brain, that will be the human form divine, hmm. meaning it will animate the entire system, not simply one of us, but all of us. And that's that's part of the hidden key here, which is that... There was an MC Escher did a beautiful uh, drawing or uh, print of where you see a ribbon and it's a face, but it's on a ribbon and that the face is created, but the ribbon, it's just a ribbon creating a face. And that was really the feeling I got that we have a visor and that the ego is that visor. It's that feedback system. It's the, that I like that. I don't like that. It's the opinion. It's all of that. And that what was happening was that that emptiness can only be filled when we return to where our heart lives, where our soul loves. And we decide that in spite of all appearances, I choose to love and mm. not hate. And as William Blake said, I must create a system of my own or be enslaved by another man's. And the systems that are being offered now are new slaveries. See how i can put it? Mm new slavers, unless you liberate yourself that you are an independent operating system that you are the human form divine that you are the outcome not getting somewhere the outcome you are the technology you will be fodder for another person's hmm. oh you're not that you need this gadget or you need that machine or you need this you don't need it you need you
1: hmm. getting mm-hmm. back to the first question mm-hmm. incredible and and to create art from your lens and not from somebody else's perspective and somebody else's opinion. And and I think it's worthwhile to take some time as we sit here in, uh, the hieroglyph of human souls, this incredible, uh, to use the limited language that we have library, this art form, this interactive multidimensional experience, the walkabout that you took us through for the last few hours, listeners, if you're, uh, not aware by now, uh, we've been spending hours getting to know Lee and, and absorbing his wisdom. And he's walked us through what, what you'll have heard about in the intro and, and likely seen pictures and videos of by now on, on YouTube or on social um, but this just incredible life's work, this mm-hmm. organic, psychedelic substance, this cocoon that we're in today. Yeah, the Painted Cave is so <laughs> exactly, perfectly <yeah>. named. And
0: <laughs> it's funny you use that term, the the Painted Cave, when you when you came up here. Before, Chase and I were just up here by ourselves, and I, I said, this is like a painted womb. It feels like I'm in a womb. Not only is there what looks like to be the cosmic womb right next to us in, in painted form on the wall, but the the entirety of the room feels like a womb a, a cauldron of sorts yeah. um where things are alchemizing and mixing and and you know we could probably spend a year in here and find <laughs> new things to look at Absolutely. and check out and yeah i i think it's it's good that we that we highlight, yeah, highlight and, that, and, and, and i think
1: it's worthwhile as we talk about the the real relevance of asking your own questions and <laughs> In, in the, in the art form that, that, you know, you've taken up, it's been, you know, questions that maybe, uh, wouldn't aren't, aren't posed for others in the quote unquote art space. Mm-hmm. And so if you could walk us through a little bit of, of the origin story here, and, and you've shared with us here in the last few hours, what that's looked like for you, but w- what was the time? What was the setting? What were those questions that you were asking that birthed this, uh, organic, psychedelic, divine cocoon that we're in. <laughs> the, the unintentional womb. <laughs> um, but if
2: you think about going to that revelation of the womb, of the even the what was called the Buddha womb, this idea of the womb of wisdom, is where the art, where we're held in a larger story that keeps us all realizing that, that you can look at any part, and they're all different parts of a much greater, conversation so we have this this creative womb that I, I feel is is key to and I write about this in the hermit uh, because it's about virginal about the womb and it's it's the story that that our brain our mind our heart every part of us is a womb meaning that we plant seeds and whatever we repeat whatever we dwell upon whatever we water becomes our our reality so mm. to speak and walking through this um uh, just because it's so much, I would say that that the r- revelation for me has been that for many, many years, like I had a twenty five years of a theosophy discussion group here every Tuesday night, and to balance that, we read Jung's red book, we wow. read uh, Western inner traditions, we read William Blake I mean it was always to really realized that our world was not offering up Emerson. It wasn't offering up really these incredible thinkers that weren't about follow this new spiritual path, but really, no, go to nature. I want you to recognize that that if you do not have Sophia, meaning the love of wisdom, then essentially you're building a house on a false foundation mm-hmm. because you're not beginning with life, you're beginning with concept. And so... That premise, I realized that going back to 1981, I began to open my doors because I was also working as an actor. As an actor, I was was able to move here because I was working on a show, Dallas, which was very popular. And that also taught me about the cultural conversation about celebrity, about what people think they want, and also the conversations of industry where it's about work, about this that. And recognizing a bit, and I, I think people do in disciplines where you realize I can't just talk to the people that are in my business. I gotta because I've got to somehow bring something to that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's like doctors just say I can't keep talking medicine. I've got to talk art. You know, it's <laughs> right. like yeah. you yeah. know, it's like. And and I think that that's very important because it lets you. And and for me, what I love pointing out to people is like none of this was a, a grand conceited and go no, I'm going to you know. It's like no, I just I was given. I realized. I was realized I was given gifts. Like I realized as an actor, I was given the gift of time. I had this dressing room. I thought so. much of my artwork was, I had a lot of time. Mm. I was able to use it, and I used it as a study hall. I literally bring my books. I bring you know. I didn't. Wow. I didn't just wait to go home to do it. I I said, okay, what are my gifts? I've given. I've been given the gift of time. My friends had had to work nine to five, and then they're exhausted, and then they're you know, they want to have a beer. They don't want to sit and paint. They're like, I. I the painter in me is going, "I have no time. I'm so exhausted by the end of the week. I just want to turn on the television you know, and I understand that I think this, so that was a gift, and also the other gift was the this gift of an acting career that allowed me in a way to take my my beating creatively <laughs> publicly in that regard I mean, in other words, that you're really beholden to the I, I liken it to you put your your canoe in the you know sort of in the, mm. the main river and you start rowing. And it's really up to the river itself, whether you're gonna get into that main current or whether it's gonna keep sort of bouncing across. And I thought for me, it was keeping kept me uh, closer to the shore. But because of that, I realized my frustration with Dallas, as I started to because people say, oh, it's so successful. I thought, I, it's not that I'm biting the hand that feeds me. It's just that this was not success. I thought this popularity, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, it didn't mean anything to me, you know, it's like somebody said, oh, do you know how people watch the wedding of you and Lucy? It was like, oh, really? I said, no, I know my mom watched it, my dad watched it, you know, my family. It was like by the time, you know, like we really don't understand this this vast numbers. I mean, you know, it's like, like I don't know, I, I know what effects. And, and so that opportunity, though, to move here, to live here, was when I started opening my house and I said, well, that's." and I started with um, uh, work with um, my cat. That's my cat coming Hello in. <laughs> Hello, Hello, Alfred. I'm in heaven right <laughs> yes, now. Yes, There's a, a kitty next to me
0: and I'm just in absolute <laughs> heaven.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. So we've got a cat house. you um. deep com- being
0: deep conversation and a kitty on my right, lap. Right, right, oh yeah. my God. Oh. And you're like, uh, okay, I'll spend the night. <laughs> you,
2: after my own heart. That's actually, I, I say, oh. I've had many of my best conversations with just me and the cats. Yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> the, yeah. uh, but what that did was that I realized that that acting for me, w- w- I would make my patron. I you mean, know, I felt grateful that I was able to make a living. But I realized that to a certain degree, it wasn't, it was not, go- it was what it was, you know, and, and, but it allowed me to, to open my home. And what I think is so remarkable is I never thought the art would lead into anything. I never thought. It was just the way I asked questions. You know, I had started using art as a way of asking questions when I was in New York uh, at Juilliard to connect with character. Because my dad would say, when you can't talk about something, paint it. So my dad was the painter. I wasn't, I was an actor. So I thought, okay, I'll use these tools though. And I love that I entered painting that way because it was far more indigenous or eastern, meaning that it wasn't that I was going to optically try and make a chair look like a chair. I was beginning with the energy. It was more like Jackson Pollock. I was beginning with raw force because I was trying to find anger. When I started working with pigment. Mm-hmm. I was just throwing it at the canvas. I was like ah, hitting the canvas because I said I, I felt like I was sort of wrapped in plastic. I felt like why can't I find direct connection? And and that's when the 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 art became therapeutic. Because I, I bit big uh, pieces, you know, big pads, mm. and I wasn't worried about being an artist. This is the other thing. You take back, you close the door. This is an experiment. It's like a rehearsal. It's not a performance. I don't want your opinion of, of a rehearsal. You know, I don't want your opinion. I, that's what I needed to protect, because I realized how vulnerable the creative soul is. Mm. You know, and, and so a lot of that, though, the the fierceness, the ang- it it all added to this realization that with the theosophic meetings with the the um, uh, looking at um, a Western inner tradition all of these different um, questions that that then led into my work on the tarot and then the the tarot became so that was being cultivated Now as a matter of fact on Thursday night I was able to read my rough draft hear everyone's comments go back and rewrite it reread it with this group of people so it's very aquarian it comes out of this dialogue of like do you understand what this is saying it's Mm -hmm. like so the book why the book is so good is it answers the questions you know if something's stated it's like well what would that mean and then it's and and that really did come out of this this um, remarkable development of the tarot now that's downstairs and why as this unfolds it unfolds with a theater story meaning that part of the mythic structure of our story is to realize that there's a story. You know, It's not just, oh, weird, psychedelic things happened. You know, I took this and I was like, oh, this is crazy. You know, It's like, no, there's an underlying weave here. Yeah. There's, there's literally, there are, and one of the great things here is we've mapped the hieroglyph of the human soul, Matthew, Dr. Bennett, and I, Um, and really are applying it to psychological personality disorder, about the quadrants, about, about how do we make sense of ourselves? How do we use the immersive nature of this art to experience it directly, to not have to use words, but to use environment, like a labyrinth, so that the body goes, oh, I'm picking up a different way of putting myself together than just having to figure things out.
0: I freaking love coffee. But five years ago, it did not love me. I noticed that after drinking it, my stomach would get acidic and upset. I'd feel on edge and I was still having regular acne breakouts. Even though it was organic, fair trade and quote high quality, it was still too acidic for my body and likely in the 92% of coffee that has microscopic mold on it. I thought I was going to have to give up coffee for good. Then I discovered King Coffee and my life and health was changed forever. King is a combination of reishi spores and organic coffee. Not only is it roasty and delicious, but the reishi spores support just about every system in my body. Cardiovascular, immune, endocrine. It's also antifungal, antibacterial, and yes, even antiparasitic. Chase and I have cleansed legit parasites with King. That may be TMI for you, but y'all, this is truly the world's healthiest coffee. If you want to ditch the jitters and enjoy the other incredible health benefits, you can learn more or purchase at themedicine.com forward slash coffee. That's the M-E-D-I-C-I-N.com forward slash coffee, or just check the show notes below for the direct link. You can always reach out to me with any questions. Happy sipping.
2: So just in terms of the, the art, the, the journey here has helped me understand, as the tarot did, that many of the things that took many, many months, many years to create individually, all found a place. They all became part of a larger context that ultimately had nothing to do with time. Do you know time was being used to draw them forth? Literally, in this case, to draw them forth. And that that when they were, and that's what happened when I finished the tarot. Actually, I I had every drawing. I thought, oh God, because I was, I was intimidating myself. I thought, what do I do now? <laughs> and, and and but when when it came full circle, it was like suddenly all of that time evaporated and it was like plugging in a plug it just turned on and i went oh, oh that's right this wheel we've been on now think of the archetypes because that's really not the artist that's that's a much deeper that's coming through the artist, because that's saying this story of the archetypes returning home as they do here at Olandar, was the story of the 20th century hmm. because that's all 20th century work meaning that and that's black and white like keys of the piano, meaning the black and white of things, the keys of consciousness, the difference between the characters of this, that, that we'd examine that. you think of the 20th century, it was the deconstruction of everything, break everything down, look at everything, deconstruct. But then we're left, and this is what the room is about, that that when this begins then on 9-11, 2001, much to my surprise that it turns into this, it was this, like Humpty Dumpty, we had fallen off the wall and as a matter of fact, a great deal of the initiating dialogue was with this Pica- this uh, Picasso-like mother uh, figure that, that begins to say that Picasso in this narrative represented the 20th century perfectly, because he took the feminine and cut her up like La Dame Mazelle d'Avignon. You know, he breaks up space. He takes the African archetype and he severs it from its context. So essentially, it's like psychology. We break things down, but we don't contextualize them. We're too busy exploring, whoa, what happens here? (laughs) We're breaking it, but by the time of the end of the 20th century, we're literally on our knees. We literally don't have any meaning. Like Jackson Pollock taking art to the floor, right? That's the collapse of Western art, really. It's the end of of a great journey of, of, of getting into a greater and greater vision until it finally collapses. And again, from the 50s onward, I mean, the 60s onward, we're left with personal discovery, we're left with art of social reflection, of, of social critique, of journalism. But we've moved away from, to a great degree, art as having relevance to the larger collective. So therefore art will be entertainment and we will be entertained into submission. And because art was always where it was meant to upset the status quo, even if it was to upset it, that how can this be so beautiful and still be human? Do you know? And that's Mm -hmm. important. Because we don't think about that. We're usually thinking about how marvelous our ugliness is as Mm -hmm. a species, rather than how remarkable our Beethovens are, Mm -hmm. our Gustav Klimps are, dear Michelangelos. I mean, I just just feel we have such a richness that is obscured over and over again. Um, But then when we look at, well, why would it be? And I'm convinced it's because it's been pushing us back to our center. Mm. When the world betrays you, do not betray yourself. Hmm.
1: Don't follow suit. And that's what happens so often. Oh, that's such a beautiful point. <laughs> because when we are betrayed externally, the last thing we think of is doubling down on our own trust of oneself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Exactly. It's usually a twofold death. Mm. We are betrayed by something, and then we betray ourselves. Mm. And, and, I, and I feel like that's why much of what's going on individually and collectively is a process of maturation. When you do realize that to survive, you can't wait for another. You can't wait for a better story. You are the better story. You're the one that must say, I choose to tell the story I can live with. I choose to open my heart this is one of the things I find very with your podcast. People are doing this. I call it the autoimmune reaction. <laughs> this is how we heal. We heal with story. We heal by offering opportunity to one another. Say, yeah, we can get together and cynically reduce the world to ashes. It's easy. Let's do the more difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, let's follow Spinoza. I love the, the the quote that for all things noble are as difficult. As they are rare, you know. So, but we as human, we are that rarity. Yeah. Every human being potentially is, but we must step up to the plate. It's like having a relationship with another person and saying, "Honey, just get me stuff, do everything for me. I don't want to do anything for you. No, 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 you do it." And this is really the parental problem we're having with consciousness. This, this, uh, you know, I want everything done like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um. These energies are like no. Uh-uh. Doesn't happen that way. And if you're not willing to show up, if you're not willing to understand that like, hey, you want a good physique? You got to go to the gym. Yeah. You got to you got to watch your diet. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just going to sit and eat and talk about why on earth you can't get a good physique. Right. You're not taking the steps. Right. And the steps are there, and I think this is the other element about the feminine. It's like take out the garbage. In other words, stop Being on your high horse, thinking what you're all about matters to anyone. It doesn't. That's what I've learned in a way, in a soul-crushing way at certain times. I'm going, God, I thought, no, it has to matter to you. Because that's the story now. That the accolades, the this, the that, and the other thing that people think they want. Let me tell you, if you get 10,000 likes, it's not 11,000.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Get fifteen thousand. Oh man, and not eighteen thousand. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Well, and, and same with you, you mentioned the aesthetic physically. We can we may get to the weight we want by starving ourselves, but we're going to be sick and dying in the process. Yeah, but
0: what unhealth yes. have you created along the way?
1: Or we can learn to fall in love with the process of getting to know our bodies and how our body responds positively to movement and, and listening to, and, and to the mm-hmm. inputs that we that we give feedback. it through food. And, um, you'll realize that, you know, the old cliche, it's about the journey, right? It's not about the outcome at that, that physique and that aesthetic that you were aiming to obtain, uh, was only maybe just the, the initial spark to get you to fall in love with the process in love with the experience of finding health.
2: Yeah. If you think about this being offered, there's a love affair. It's your soul and it's you. And your soul is not asking for much, but a little empathy, right. A little out a girl, out a boy. yeah <laughs> Do you know because we have to this is one of the great keys here about you know you asked about the narrative here. That the narrative here began in the hieroglyph as as an ark, as told to to build an ark and an ark, <laughs> but it was not. It said not to navigate the physical waters, but the mental waters, because our narrative as human has become weak, and this is what cancer is. Cancer is when the cell reads when it replicates, as it always does, it loses its um, clarity. Until finally, a cancer cell then is—it it just forms itself, doesn't know its footprint, and then for starts to think it's the host body and attacks mm. the body. And I thought that's a metaphor of our time: we've lost our footprint, mm. we've lost why being human matters, why we're a noble species, and that's what triggered this. Because on 9-11, when those towers came down, I looked at my daughters and my wife, and I said, I'm going to tell you a story of why being human matters, why this is noble. And regardless of the darkness, it's not about the darkness. Mm -hmm. Never has been. It's the catalyst by which we choose to say if the light will emerge, we must be the responsible custodians for that light. Mm. Otherwise, we can't be angry at the people who bring us flashlights and call it light. Mm. Do you know, I I really do. I think that, that this is about... What I think of as the feminine is the return to responsibility, meaning that love is not a given. It is something that you seek to become worthy of. Mm. You don't take. You're not entitled. And if you think you are, you are alone. Mm. And the more you do it, the more alone you become. This is very, I mean, do you see this is an etiquette of energy. I'm not talking about beliefs here. I'm talking about the way energy works, that what we put into this energy we get back tenfold. I know somebody else said that. <laughs> but it's very true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why part of the the structure here is first technology. It's paint and storytelling. But we must remember that 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 paint that when something manifests, this is breath. This is love. This is manifestation. It's not a concept. And it's beautiful. So do you see like a blossom suddenly it's holding values that aren't optical they're inherent mm-hmm. this is important for us now because it's not the optics we're after it's the energy and it's the it's that sense of where can I turn off technology where can I close the door where can I say this matters to me and it doesn't have to be big it has to be intimate and I have to tell this universe I love her mm-hmm. or him mm-hmm. whatever you know do you know in other words, because that's what cultivates relationship yeah if we don't say it why on earth do we and this is one of the great energies here it says tell people to give me material to work with and that's why the theater is very developed now here because as above so below the book of thoth below thoth's library above meaning that that the quest from ancient times and we can look at the the uh, the obelisk is a great example the obelisk upright is an antenna it's about oneness. There's no division. The question, though, is that in that consciousness, we are connected to the stars, but we also—it's not about discovering what's uniquely within the individual. We all know, and so we are honoring this greater. So the question was knocking over the obelisk, a bit like Moses leaving Egypt. You say, why does he get lost in the desert for forty years? And you think, well, anytime there's forty, it's a cycle. But it's also the beginning of the development of god's not here you're not directly aligned the obelisk has fallen over there's a journey that must be had you must take this journey so if we think of the development of the ego not as a monstrous thing but actually as this journey i begin by being lost you asked how do you begin well <laughs> you see you have this feeling you once knew <laughs> then you went into this desert <laughs> and you said follow me and you went I hope they're not really following me because <laughs> <laughs> I'm lost. Um, but, you know, you think of, of even the the sort of the infancy of the ego, meaning we're lost. We need a guide. We need Moses. We need a father. You know, we need somebody. G- <laughs> are there any commandments we should know about right. anything? we uh, Just basic tenets. Um, and, and so we're developing that. And then, you know, I say then Christ comes along and says, you are uniquely worthy of salvation. You of your own accord. Are uniquely noble, so we have this journey of of trying to assimilate the the unique worthiness of the self. The in a way, the the commandments of self. You know, the the sense of our connection to the larger community, but then also the connection to the the mystical heart. Meaning, what I bring to the community is forgiveness. It's empathy. It's this this quality that sees in one another. This Christos. This relationship. It helps us understand why we would finally go through all of these religions. Not that they're wrong, or that, but they're they're a beautiful expression of that which, like every life, lives a certain. Like I, I really feel the Christian ethos. Its zenith zenith was the Gothic, the Gothic cathedrals, Notre Dame and Chartres, and I could. That's another conversation, but, but it it just it's like things rise and then they go back. Like with the dome of Saint Peter to the law to your smaller I'm authority you're not the authority but this is all in the development of the ego do you see so that's what i do i feel like this is a key that now and it's it's not 40 days 40 nights but 43 years 40 you know mm. of people gathering creating focus coherence for what happens finally this manifestation of art or creation because that's the language of creation reveals itself as a womb meaning that that now I can hold you. I'm a library. And as the librarian, I don't care. You can read any authors you want. You can believe anything you want. It's all here. You don't have to fight over the books. And if some of them are on fire, maybe close the book and put it back on the shelf. You know, we start to see that. And that's why, again, the mother returns in the hieroglyph, the sense of Sophia, the sense of, of being naked with her, meaning that that this is the point where there's no armor and as a matter of fact with the tarot i, I remember after 17 years i was writing my journal and i i wrote down i i i um, I, I give my sword hmm. uh, and ret, you know, return it for a lantern and so i was given a lantern but then i i reached these doors and they were like the baptistry doors and in, 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 in uh at the, uh florence and i and I touched them because of this work uh, that I'd done. And I thought it was about what I'd done. But as I touched the work, it opened the door. And I went, oh, it wasn't about that. And then I was mm. met by a beautiful female figure. And I, and I had this suit of armor on that was also beautiful that I'd created. You know, like this this great thing. And she said, where are you going now? You will only drown with this on. Mm. Mm. You must take it off. And so I did. And I walked through those doors. And I went, oh wow, that's if we think of the symbolism here, that's like walking upstairs. Yes. Back into the womb of consciousness. Going, where we're at now, we've created these suits of armor. And I think that's why a lot of people still are in their suits of armor. And they're they're stuck outside the, the front door. In a sense, they can't they, but they only they. It's bit, and we can use the Wizard of Oz, right? Dorothy goes, Well, why didn't you tell me? And what's a good witch to say? Because you had to know. And I really do think that that's where we're at. That's the creative in us. Mm-hmm. I can't be creative for you. I can't love for you. I can't dance for you. But guess what? You can do all those things. Wow. And you don't have to be good at it. You don't have to sell it. You don't have to make up for somebody. You know, it's like have a have a fun, you know, in other words, turn off, turn off the, the critical lens. And I think that's why everyone's in such so agonized, because the more you critique others, the more you live in the dread of being critiqued. Mm-hmm. Because that's the energy you're welcoming. As soon as you say, I hate, there's a whole lot of energy that goes, ha, great. Mm-hmm. Come on, jump on board, guys. We're gonna yeah. make this a good one.
1: Yeah.
2: And we are lived, not living. And we are played, we're not playing.
0: Mm. there's so much there and we could go in so many different directions um and we've we've talked about tarot a little bit here and there you've mentioned it a few times and um of course people know from the intro that you've you've drawn and, and created this these beautiful not created the archetypes yourself but created the art be- that, that is an expression of the archetype. And I'm curious, um, from maybe the, the major arcana, the major, mm-hmm. um, the trumps, right?
2: No trumps. Yes. Yes.
0: Um, what are you seeing when you look out at the story of humanity right now? What are you seeing as one or two very relevant, archetypes major arcana that is being reflected in humanity or that humanity should be well aware of right now
2: the two that come to mind immediately uh, and then I could go out from there but but the two that come to mind are the tower and the world Hmm. And there's two very important reasons why, because you said Trumps and pre- President Trump, we have a type of projection of an outward theater that's very mythic at this point. We have to have to get away from what side one is on or what pol- politics one has. As a matter of fact, in my discussion groups, I banned politics in the last forty three years. For you, I, yeah. I just I don't we don't talk politics or sociology. In other words, we're going to talk with ideas that no matter what your politics are, you'll leave inspired. So, whatever we think. When you breathe into it, it expands it. it allows it to not be, you know, in a sense, suffocating. So the archetypes, though, why I say the world is that one of the great mysteries here and one of the great proofs here, because I always wanted to know, well, how does this archetypal language speak with us? In other words, what? And as an actor, I was very interested because as an actor, you have to develop the ability to talk to yourself. Do you know, because <laughs> mm-hmm. nobody right. can teach you <laughs> anything. You have to go, how is that? So you're asking a question. It's kind of, and, but it, it frees one to have a very strong inner dialogue. Why this is essential is that, that my realization with the world archetype is that, that I redrew this world archetype. It was very Mayan uh, in a way, and it turned to be far more Gothic. And I realized that, that um, when I was framing them, I was putting back a frame that my world archetype is dated 9 11, 1986. So it's 15 years mm. to the day of the collapsing of the Twin Towers. Well, there are twin pillars in the image, and they collapse essentially the training wheels, the binary of money and God, these false erections that collapse. And so the world then becomes the, fi- the, the, uh, the archetype of this entire story to a great degree. Because the world archetype is the 21st, it's the last numbered card. It's the last of the three sevens. And it brings us full circle. Because it's like this room. It's saying, all right, as the world, I'm going to bring you back to manifestation, to Saturn. I want you to know why you knocked obelisk over. I want you to know why Saturn, when you look at the planet from the side, is divided. The mm-hmm. ring divides the below and the above. But when we turn it, it becomes an eye pupil. And we see that it is the eye. This division is this eye that opens us up to the greater universal eye. But we've had to have the divided Saturnian journey. So why the world then becomes so fascinating. The 9-11 then triggers this, the hieroglyph of the human soul, on 9-11-2001. And now 22 years later, like the 22 major arcana, we once again come full circle. And so I feel that that the, the world archetype has to do with the knowledge of the imagination as key to the structure of form, meaning as we think, so we create. And that the binary of the world was this false erection, you know, it says higher and higher, I have more money, more money, more God, more God, be obedient. But these are false erections of, of outward authority. And here they collapse. They bring us back into intimate space, essentially saying not what do I have, but what do I make? of all of this that's been lost. Mm. Where do I create context? And part of that structure then of the world, because if you think of that as finally creating the form that can hold the content, that's very important because that's also why this is my home. Think of a narrative through art that said, I need to put you in the picture. I need it to be a place that as this painting is painted on linoleum, that's painted on the ordinary because This is the story of the human. We are only ordinary is how we feel. But the gift here of the art is saying that's beautiful because now as ordinary, you don't have to defend all of the gods and dragons. You don't have to fight these battles anymore. You have to, like that blossom, like that bud, begin to say, well, where can I open? Where can I have the sense that this opening won't be up for judgment? Like you wouldn't put a flower out in the road. You know, you would be intimate with it. And if you became confident, you'd share it, but you wouldn't make that your first uh, stop, you know. And this this is something that that more and more I just find myself looking at and wondering about with the archetypes. That the other archetype I go to is the Tower archetype, and why this is so important is that with Trump, the the archetypes are called Trumps, <laughs> and I a little backstory as an actor, I played a character I modeled after Donald Trump in the 90s. Um, I played Damien Smith on General Hospital. I played the son of a gangster. And, and I said that, uh, that I was the one that, that said everybody has their price. What's yours? And, uh, <laughs> if you don't believe you have a price, I'll find yours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm not interested in good or bad. I'm interested in the fact of, are you on my team? That's really how he was. That's what I learned from this guy. But what's interesting about the Trump Tower and why it affects us is that, that the world archetypes, the twin towers fall. <laughs> we live in the age of Viagra. We live in the age of false erections. <laughs> if I'm angry enough, I'll keep it hard, honey. <laughs> well said, well said. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I really found that I, I had to laugh because I thought, I thought when, when, when the Trump was played, I thought it's, he even has the Trump Tower. And I thought, okay. And he's orange. <laughs> and it's the planet Mars. And Mars sets everything on fire. And it's a fire that doesn't allow a return mm. to what was before. Do you see? So so this is where the mythic underpinnings are like, whoa, okay, then we're really experiencing archetype. You know, the, sort of Johnny One Note. You know, anger, 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 anger. But if you think of one note on the piano, that would be the key, right? right? So the question is, then, then in the intimate element here, if the world and the tower, if Mars and and anger are, in a sense, throughout the human condition, and if the world archetype is going through a collapse of a binary belief system and having to recreate it from the ground up, Mm -hmm. as we do here, right, then this is actually saying... That guess what? The key to who we are, if the art is an indicator, which it is, is an intimate space. It's the place you're not looking. It's where you love. And people are so busy hating at this point that that's the loudest noise. And that's part of the martial art here, the, the mental element. Oh, okay. Then I won't draw my sword for that argument. I've got too much to do here. I want to go to market, got to pick up my kids, you know, and I do, I think that that practical side is, you know, who has time mm-hmm. to, you know, it's, it's getting over this sort of iPhone warrior stuff.
0: Yeah.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, who cares? Uh, I, I really feel that the whole point of where we're at is the generosity of forgiveness, not simply for others, but for oneself can begin to heal from within to without because the optics will not change unless the energy changes. And the energy that got us here, this grand generalization of the Piscean age and Messiahs is over. It's like we've hit the mainland, like a big ship. Mm -hmm. We've hit the coast. So now how do we get into the rivulets? How do we get up? How do we get into, into the land? Well, we're going to need a smaller boat for that. Maybe an intimate boat. Maybe a boat just for one or two. But we'll find our way in. And when we do, we'll begin to develop stories that, yeah, we're part of that crossing, but we know we're not crossing anymore. So when you tell me that generally people are like that, I'll say, you know what? Those were the old days. General is fine. But give me specifics. Because when I look specifically, I realize every human being is struggling with very basic questions. And a lot of them have to do with what do we do Mm -hmm. to cultivate meaning? I will not let anger define the story of who and what I am. I've come too long and hard to make that my story. And that's, I think what I rejected on 2001, something in me quit. Mm. I said, if this is the lack of imagination masquerading as reality, I quit. I didn't realize it would lead to this, but you know, but it wasn't, it wasn't quitting the world. I still paid my bills you know I but it was I quit agreeing to agree with that narrative Mm -hmm. that it always ends in flames do you know I always say no that's the alchemical fire the the flames aren't the key the transmutation is and that's why we're surrounded by by the arts you know the, the artists I'm convinced that they tell us look in every age we were ignored we were only as valuable as the Duke thought we were valuable. Mm-hmm. We were only, you know, we were expendable. Nobody cared. So when you mope around that nobody cares, well, nobody ever cared. And realize what we had to realize that I have to care. Mm-hmm. Why am I waiting for guardians or custodians when I am a guardian or a custodian? Think of how your soul is dealing with that, right? It's you. That's why I have people sit in the mirror of self reflection. I say, everything in this work in this beauty, in this trans, you know, because it becomes multidimensional 3D glasses, is saying, "I, you are the key. You are being put back in the picture because for thousands of years, you've been convinced it's not you. Mm -hmm. For thousands of years, it said, you don't matter. Your wisdom doesn't matter. Where you live doesn't matter. What you love doesn't matter. Who you are doesn't matter. And this is the Aquarian reclaiming, oh yes, it does. And if I'm a jazz musician, maybe I play the sax and maybe you play the guitar. And I'm not going to tell you as a saxophonist how you should play your instrument. (laughs) But when we get together, we are going to play. And that's what I know. I know that that it's a matter of giving ourselves permission to say, because I, I even have a mantra. There's no reality, only probability. I choose this one. Because if there's an infinite probability, like Schrodinger's cat, right? Yeah, it could be dead, could be alive. And I've used this with my own cats. I choose the one where they're alive. Mm -hmm. I do, because my fear and panic goes into (laughs) and I go, back up, back up. I choose. And this is where we start to use our own energies. We don't try to become wizards and go, every time I snap my fingers, the signal turns green. But I tell you, if you start experimenting with things like that and don't take it highfalutantly, so to speak, you'll be amazed at how interactive the world really is. Mm. Mm.
0: Hey, friend. By now, I think most of us realize that our Earth needs our support more than ever. Sadly, most of the usable soil on Earth has been degraded into lifeless dust by conventional farming's overuse of glyphosate and pesticides. This is a big problem for not only us, but even bigger problem for our kids' generation. Chase and I's favorite way to support the earth is by supporting the regenerative farmers who use methods that do not degrade the soil, but builds robust, rich, biodiverse soil. Every month we receive our meat subscription box from Wild Pastures that provides a wide variety of meat, chicken sausage pork beef and even organ meats if we want these are the best prices we have found on meat that's organic pasture raised and sourced from regenerative farmers and boxes are completely customizable to fit your family's needs with wild pastures you're not only supporting your family's health with the highest quality meat you're also supporting future generations and our earth our home now wild pastures is giving you 20 percent off your subscription and free shipping for life just check the show notes below for our direct link and start building your first box enjoy
2: it really is this is why people are having a lot of synchronicities i say you're starting to hear the real language <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: yep because mm-hmm. what's the first thing silenced in love uh, when you don't love the poetic the ambient, the soft focus. Everything has to be hard focus, literal. Yep. You know, you have to hold on to control it. And I think that we're going through a, through a, a, a birth process now. I, I think because the condition, and I tell people that we're not born because we want to leave the womb. We're forced to leave the womb because the womb itself becomes toxic. Mm-hmm. So think of the world womb ejecting us into this womb with a view. But it's returning us back to first technology, the painted cave. But we left that painted cave when it was empty. We left having to tell every generation why it mattered, to create context, to create meaning. So we've been the cultivators of meaning. Our arts have been the byproduct of not going mad, not being decorative. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Do you know, I, I mean, we there's a fierceness that's, To a certain degree, been betrayed by anger. Mm -hmm. Fierceness has nothing to do with anything being at your expense. It's the fierceness of standing in the middle of a fire with your roots firmly planted, Mm -hmm. understanding that there's nowhere to go. So it's not to attack the fire. It's to trust what you bring to the deeper nature of things. And that is, how do you focus with your mind? But not just your mind. How do you focus with your energy body? How do you feel, right? How do you allow yourself? Do you give yourself permission? And, and I think that this is why. Everything, think of a discovery process. It said, if I didn't demand these questions from you, they'd be an entitlement. But because you're earning them. And this is why I always quote uh, Rilke from Duino Elegies. And I love this quote. He said that, that you, you can't impress the angels with your grand emotions. In the cosmos, you're just a beginner. <laughs> so tell him of some word you've earned. Mm. And I look around at this human condition, and I say, we've earned this human story. And the human condition is always anguish and difficulty. But the human condition always is. In spite of that, that will not be our story. In spite of the rain, <laughs> that's what I said about the Irish, in spite of the rain, <laughs> in spite of everything being against you seemingly, you still sing, you still drink, tell some lies, get together with friends, and at the end of the evening, the rain's still raining, but you walk out, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter. And that's what I'm looking for with the creative spirit. It's like, yeah, things are what they are. It's a season. But they don't define you. They teach you to be a navigator of it. And that's why this sense of let us become modern Noahs, Let us each build an arc of consciousness, but let it be built from what matters to you. And what matters to you is different than what matters to me. That's the beauty of our unique human experience and story. That's the beauty of a library. You look at those names and you say, my God, that was a life. But it was so different from that life and that life and that life. But they're all spines, right? They're all uniquely true and beautiful. And that's why I get this feeling like why this is a womb as we're sitting in a library as well. That's saying, and the mother's saying, I'm the knowledge of your atoms. There are no evil atoms. I love you. Tell a story you can live with. Tell a story that begins with where you feel safe. And if you only had a few hours, a few days, what would you be paying attention to? Because there's no guarantees in this world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There just aren't. And I think that the more we allow that preciousness, because I think that's part of the great stimulant here, is the more we're not overcome by uh, fear of death, the more we recognize the preciousness of death. Because then if it's not forever, then what is this time for, Mm -hmm. right? What is Mm -hmm. this time for? This is the time to be you. And that when you live your life, you'll be realized that it was an art form. (laughs) It wasn't something you were meant to get right. You weren't meant to figure it out any more than you're meant to figure out music or love. But you were meant to finally go, my, I experienced life through these eyes of unique vision and difficulty. But at the end of the day, I realized I was part of a great commitment on the part of some greater spirit to say, can you participate? Maybe like cells in a greater body. might be an easier journey, a difficult journey, but you know what? we're all adding to it. And that to me is the DNA of the Phoenix, mm. meaning the sacred geometry of who and what we are is we are each the one. We are each a Phoenix, not born into time, but born into creation, whole and holy. And my question to everyone is, if you don't like the story you're telling, then why not tell when you do like? And for me, when I sit in this room, I don't need more. This is enough. This is beautiful enough. This explains with art and beauty and intimacy that the human struggle to know itself needed to create a narrative that included all of itself, and not in the act of judgment, not in the act of betrayal, but in the act of artistry, of devotion and dedication, because that's our heart. Our heart is our heart, but our heart is pulsing in all of these other books. Mm -hmm. That's the human heart. Do you see how beautiful that is? To breathe into this great human story and then breathe into the the intimacy of our moment and then begin to say, yeah, it's time to grow up. Not to embrace the inner child, but to embrace the inner guardian that says, you can take care of the child now.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm.
2: Take care of that child. Yeah. But I need you to be a guardian. Mm. I need you to be responsible because if it's just the child, you'll sit waiting. You'll think, Oh, I'm special.
0: Mm.
2: (laughs) And the thing is we are special, but we're special in the ways we don't understand, Sure, you know, because it's much more. And well, Salvador Dali said it best. He goes, no lazy artist ever creates a masterpiece. Mm. And I thought if we take the artist as the human race, we have never been lazy. Parts of us are lazy. Parts of us are lazy. But when you get right down to it, we might be Sisyphus pushing that rock up the hill <laughs> only to have it roll back down over and over again. But at least we're willing to push it up the hill again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I kind of I feel like this cheerleader going, guys, do you know how amazing we really are if you get right down to it? To forget, to never know, to, to have to go in the dark, to get lost, to, to be afraid. And then to say, oh... It was up to me all along.
1: Yeah. We're, we're special not because we are owed something from the external. We're special because as you have put multiple times, we are heroic for choosing not to know, for choosing not to remember, yeah. and for partaking and rolling that stone up the hill, even if it might fall back down again. Yeah, It is heroic. And we are special by the fact that we've signed up for this.
2: And if you think about telling your inner self, even with the, the, you know, sort of the, the proviso, I might just be making this up. <laughs> <laughs> but it if if you could argue that everything's being made up the way we look at it because no one knows, then add this too. You know, in a way, just, and that's part of my, because a lot of my work is, is a thought experiment. It's like, I, I think if I'd tried to figure out that, I never would have, right. it wouldn't happen. But it, was, it wasn't, there was no conceit. There was no like, oh, this will turn into this. It was much more of Hmm. let's you know and 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 that's why you know a lot of this is i, I think that that so much of the approach has been the grand the numbers the demographic, and like parting the red seas you know and that's why all of our movies are uh, you know just at least for me <laughs> Calm down on the CGI, dude. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> Give me a bit more narrative. Oh, yeah. You know. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. Know, I'm tired of watching Paris go And here. and it, <laughs> it, it it seems like
0: I'm getting derailed here a little bit. But um, something that Chase and I have talked about is like it doesn't seem like there's a lot of original thoughts original stories being told it's either oh there's this story let's do a prequel there's this story let's do a sequel or a second third fourth sequel right with all these superhero uh, movies and it's been so long i feel like since we've had a trend of original ideas being birthed in in the space of of movies well and i sit
1: i sit Mm -hmm. in this ancient technology that we're in here today in this arc and i look at the artistic representations of lee's brilliant mind and i i even if i can't define it i go i know this Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it was beautiful this resonates with me and i feel seen by it Mm -hmm. i can't say that amongst avengers movie number 15 the cgi porn gives me that feeling
0: now there's nothing wrong
1: with those movies i have a blast and we can all you know crush popcorn and and Mm -hmm. watch our you know neurotransmitters freak out by all the colors right but at the same time i'm not uh, entering a layer of depth within myself that i would not have been should i should i skipped the the movie and 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 being in a space like this is a level of recognition um, but also novelty.
2: And I think that that's very key because it's not one or the other, but really the recognition of that if everything is stimulation, then we do need to walk into where there's no stimulation, you know, this, mm-hmm. this balancing of our energies. And I think that that's what a lot of this is about. Like, like yeah, we're getting to the point, where formula is so obvious it's just it's it's a lack of imagination meaning that if it's predicated on what sells and then you find what sells and then you turn what should be a half hour show into five hours you know in other words that 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 type of of mind mindset which is in a way a great deal of the business itself I do feel this is what I felt, even going back to my experience. Was I realized I couldn't make that the bad guy, but I realized that if I was going to have any other conversation than being swept into that one, I had to cultivate it for myself. And that's when I again started getting together with different curious people and saying, "Let's let's start reading texts. Let's start let's start inspiring each other. Really, like you would say, like actors do when they come together to rehearse. Let's let's be the crucible by which." Mm-hmm. We create the conditions that, even if it's not known by others, at least it's it's nourishing us, and and that to me is a lot of what's going on. Is this sense of that, and I do think of it as a type of autoimmune reaction. Meaning, like like when this doesn't work, go soft focus, listen to associations, you know, listen to the things that aren't um, trying to get your attention, mm-hmm. and I think that that's what it is. This entertainment becomes so much about being a, a distraction
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
2: uh, and dissipation ultimately, because you can only take so much shock mm-hmm. that, that and, and violence, to the point, there's a, you know, uh, well, that's another story, but but just, it's it, we have to, in the same way we watch the diet we put into our body, it's not that sugar is bad completely, but it's the levels by which you live mm-hmm. by it. And I think that that's the same thing with violence, I think the same thing with everything else.
0: I think um, something in general that that has really resonated with me in our conversation before we pushed record, honestly, within the first five minutes of us walking into your door, really, um, was this concept of focusing more on what you love rather than what you hate. Right, right. And that is such a perfect snapshot of what I see a lot of humanity focusing on, uh, or rather the experience of um, my fellow man and woman is we are spending way too much time, all of us, I'm not immune from this, Mm -hmm. focusing on what we hate rather than what we love. And that is definitely something that I'm going to take away from this conversation and our our time with you. Mm. And it's something that I'm going to write about, meditate on. What do I love? What do I want to focus on in my life, in my relationship, in my inner world? Um Really, that is like, I feel like it's my new life motto, honestly, Um, because it's so easy for all of us to slip into, but wait, look at them, what they're doing over there. That's not good. That's not good. That's not good. And pretty soon your whole day, your whole, your battery of consciousness, your battery of attention is spent on something that you hate. Yeah and you know i'll never forget when i was in driver's ed one of the pieces of advice that the teacher gave to us is you know i grew up we grew up in the pacific northwest in washington state winters are brutal you know six inches of ice on the ground you know in january and february and he, he gave us a piece of advice. He, he said, it, if you feel like you are on ice and slipping or whatever, your car is going out of control, don't look at what you want, what you don't want to hit, right? So, oh, there's a pole. There's a light pole there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't look at the light pole. Look at where you want to go. Your chances of getting in an accident will go down if you are looking at where you want to go rather than where you don't want to go. And. It feels so. Um, it feels so in alignment with what what I was just saying with you. You know, um, what I'm going to take away from this experience and this this conversation with Very you, cool. and that feels like something that everyone listening, everyone in the world. Not mm-hmm. everyone in the world is listening, of <laughs> course, but if everyone in the world did that in their own life, they focused on more of what they love than than what they hate. I, I feel like our world could completely transform. Absolutely, That's what I'm taking from this conversation. But I, I want to hear from you. If there's, you know, people are listening right now where they're on the path of self development, of leveling up their consciousness. Sometimes that can feel like a very lofty pursuit. It can feel like, man, it's never enough. I'm never done, which is true. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but what would you say to that person that is trying to level up their consciousness? What's one thing that we can all do today?
2: Immediately, I think, be kind to yourself. Hmm. There's nothing to prove and no one to prove it to, and there's no time schedule. You know, we impose a lot of these outer models onto this inner life. And if you think more from a gardener's perspective of allowing a seed to grow in the dark, not, worry, you know, and understanding that it's a gestational process, And I also tell people about the creative process. I say a lot of times people, oh, why don't I feel creative? I say, tides come, you know, they ebb and they flow. And the more we, I think, honor that natural element within ourselves, the more we are able to recognize that, you know, there's a wonderful, going back to Rilke, he said something wonderful. He said, he said, he said, "Um, live the questions now. (laughs) I love that. And if you're lucky enough, you might live into some of the answers. That's really what I feel about this art, that many of the, in a sense, the anguishes that that got this out of me, if I'd stopped there, I would have thought, you know, I could not see the point, like a book. You know, it's like stopping at the third chapter of a 10-chapter book, you think. And I think that's what we must do for ourselves is understand we're not a completed anything. Do you know, we really are... I, and I feel a lot of times I even say, you know, just just keep rolling. just keep rowing. you know. Don't don't overthink it. Don't over, because as we know, sometimes, um, and, and I even quoted in my book, it's natura non facet saltus. Nature does not grow in leaps, meaning that that everything creates the condition of the foundation by which we have enough strength to support what is coming so if we think about when we're in that i don't know and say look this is not wrong this is the formative energies that will lead you to the next question And you might say well what is that i say sometimes you don't know what the next question is until in a sense the anguish goes i can't do it anymore and then that moment you go oh i wasn't supposed to do anything <laughs> do you know it's like do you know where it it hit we push 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 and And I do feel like that's that's part of the the permission to give oneself to be patient with oneself to be forgiving of one'self and to recognize as I talk about that we have a very traumatized psyche which we take personally, like, oh, something wrong with me, there's something wrong with everybody <laughs> Do you know it's like we all have that I should be, but I'm not I should do this, but I don't you mm-hmm. know. And I think if we recognize that, then we're not overstressing it. You know, it's like we don't make it a thing. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's part of it. And that allows us then to become more facile or flexible. And and that's why a lot of, again, the the nourishment routine, the sense of, of and I tell people with drawing, I say, look, if you think, oh, I have to pull everything, just say if you want to, five minutes. Just, I'm going to do this for five minutes. And nobody's looking. If you can step over that and do it, suddenly, unbeknownst to you on a quantum level, you've created a new possibility. Hmm. You've made an effort. And what we make an effort toward makes an effort toward us. Mm -hmm. Nothing given, nothing, you know, nothing if it's just this. And that's why, again, we're being taught etiquette. It's like, think of so much of the ego now that is blossomed into this outer you-can-have-everything temptation world. (laughs) You'll just feel empty forever. That's the only, you know, that's the downside. But I think that that's why everything in this room is indicating that we've reached this point of resistance, resistance, resistance. But think of that as slowly turning us away from an old way of being and doing back into a more intimate way of being and doing. Meaning if there isn't one agreement, or there's not one reality, or there's not one point of view, or there's not a monolithic this or that, then I don't have to bemoan that it's not there. I have to, again, like, as I say, go from the outward turning wheel of life experience. The months will still go by. You'll still get older. But if we turn and we stand finally at the center of the wheel, then we stand upright, just like the totem pole, like, like the center of the wheel, like the shushumna, this idea, or the toroid, meaning that, that what comes up through the top of us then, our energy field then blossoms like a fountain out of us in all directions, winds down like an orb coming up through our feet. You see how we become that life atom. And that means the life atom, like the spin of an atom, if we think about it, that the spin of the atom defines the atom. There's no there there in an atom. So essentially the spin of our world defines our reality, but when we stand upright in that reality, it's like holding all of our greater stories but not being over-identified with them. You see, that's like a library, right? You can read Moby Dick and go wailing, but you don't have to go there. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. you imaginatively
2: imaginatively abridged. And because you've done that, you've allowed the imagination to awaken which the imagination is very grateful for. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> think of a book that goes, I didn't think anybody was ever going to open me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. You made right. an effort. <laughs> right. Beautiful. Uh, you know, as we come to a close, uh, something you said earlier, you you mentioned the first flood was with water, water, water yeah. and we're now in the flood of information yep, yep. And, and through some language of use throughout the day and throughout our conversation here for the podcast, you know, I can't help but think that that we craft our arc through consciousness, of course, through, through what we love. And we talked about some of those attributes of what we love. What do we find safe? What feels like home? Where can we create? Where can it be sustainable? Uh, where can it blossom? And we create this, this arc to navigate the the floodwaters, if you will. And um, I think even the, the question of great, that's a beautiful metaphor. What am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And, and what you just answered is, is we'll have patience. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> we talked about, we talked about this. You're the hero of your own story. And, and this story, this sailing or boating of the ark on the, the flood 2.0 of information, um, is one that's heroic because we don't necessarily know what we're supposed to do. And, we, yeah And it's real. this, it's this attribute of patience that says, I don't know. But I'm here to create the story that resonates, and I know it's heroic. And literally,
0: so, the opposite of instant gratification. Literally,
1: the opposite of instant gratification. Yeah. And yeah. and so as I kind of piece these things together from from what we talked about today, that that will definitely land, and and I will take you know take that away from from this conversation.
2: That's beautiful. That's really. I, I and I feel like that's what this is about. Just recontextualizing, you know, giving ourselves a break. You know, mm-hmm. not trying to have this perfected. I am this, and you're not. No, we are all each this. Mm-hmm. So what is your music? What's your story? And in the library, it's all honored. Mm. Do you know, that's why yeah. I do. I, I really feel that, that and as I, I told you, we were looking about, I said, that when my dad died, I, I just, I just so, so remember his book of life. I, I could see it being squeezed in all the waters of this life that had spread out, in a sense, to be interpreted by the way he journeyed. But as it was closed, it there was such a reverent voice that said, oh, but now it's been lived. And I thought, I felt like Scrooge after the third <laughs> night going, God <laughs> almighty, guys, we don't have any idea where the art form, you know, we think we're not it. We're not, and that our struggles are because we're bad or this. Uh, it's, it's way more beautiful than that. We are artists of creation and consciousness that we came from being star beings, but in that mind you are, you know directly, so you cannot create, Mm. you are. To create you had to forget. Mm. And in forgetting what was lost was actually to be rediscovered but in human terms. Mm. And you see, so we slowed down star knowledge, what was once directly connected to the heavens, and we humanized it. Mm. We turned it on the wheel of time. But now this wheel of time has brought us imperceptibly back to the final question, which is the intimacy of who are you? Where do you live? What do you love? And you are in charge of what you allow to define your world. And I really do, I think that that's where we become gardeners of the soul. That's why this is called the hieroglyph of the human soul. Hieroglyph means picture, sacred pictures. So we're in a picture book that is multidimensional, but fixed that holds its story on the spines of all the stories. And I feel that that's such an appropriate embrace that although we can never see why we would endure and why seemingly ordinary lives are lived and lost and why, but if we honor it as a noble enterprise, not that we recognize or figure out anymore, we figure out mountains, But we recognize we're in some incredible story Mm. that asks us, look, there are many versions of you. They're all you. So what will the version be? And put a little effort into it. it. It takes a little effort, but so does love. Yeah. So does anything you love. Having a cat takes effort. <laughs> yeah. Do you know? They don't yeah. clean their cat boxes. <laughs> you know, and, and I do. I feel like that's what the world is trying to teach us. Mm-hmm. Anything you love, you make an effort for. Mm-hmm. So if you're wondering why these other things aren't going on, make a little effort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Start the relationship. And don't start big. Start intimate. Start in a corner that says, I don't know. I just had to tell you i love you because i'm getting exhausted telling everyone i hate them <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. <laughs> and i'll tell you that's when consciousness goes ah oh, yeah final year list yeah yeah
1: yeah. yeah spot on yeah lee where can people find more of you uh you have a beautiful youtube channel that we will include in our show notes as well right. as your social media which is incredible and, and the segments that you do around you know different locations of of this library Um, But also just, uh, you know, beautiful articulation of of thoughts and breakthroughs that you've that I'm sure you've had over the years. Where else can people find you? You have an incredible uh, history of writing as well. And so I want to point people towards. Uh, places they can find your work. Yeah, uh, that's,
2: thank you. I I have LeeMcCloskey.com. I am on Facebook, Lee McCloskey, Facebook, i in public. I also have Olandar Foundation for Emerging Renaissance, which is on Facebook, but since I don't put any money into it, it's probably, you know, <laughs> you have to go to it. And then, then the YouTube channel. And really, it, with Carla and I, we do a lot of events here, and if people are in L.A. or the L.A. area, it's to reach out through my website. Let me know, and because um, we have events here, and I do walkabouts, and and we always have a presenter or a performer as well. Because mm. one of the great keys for me is not to make it the you know the lone creative talking about the work, but to actually make it. No, now we move into the sound bath, and now we move mm. into you know so so that it's like that's what we've always been trying. Yeah. to do. We're trying to bring the theater back together. This this ensemble, so uh i am on instagram lee j mccloskey please uh, look at my instagram i i try to keep that interesting and of course they have a limitation on how long things can <laughs> yeah. be so some of the things i've written that i put on facebook i go i'll put the picture on next. Track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um and then but my my books also and probably you've talked about but but tarot revisioned um adam reborn and he restored in the splendor my codex tour books if you look up Cosmogramma, really Googling, like I did the, the cover art from my, my uh, books, The Codex Tour for Flying Lotus, and my grimoire toured with the Rolling Stones in mm. 2005, 2007. So those things are online, but, but really just to get in touch with me, probably Lee Um right. But do look at the YouTube channel if, if they can, because I'm really just trying to, like today, I just feel that that the whole point of the conversation is to have it. Mm -hmm. And if you have it, then invite others. Because I'm convinced that good ideas can go viral just as easily Mm -hmm. as bad ideas, you know? So let's work on the good ideas. And if we have to be patient, we will be. But I do, I feel like the patience now is, I want a story that from where this center emerges, it begins to reclaim and honor the center which is everywhere and whose circumference is nowhere.
0: hmm yeah. I love that quote. Amen. Yeah, I do too. So good. Yeah.
1: Amen. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you what so much. What a beautiful day. Thank for, you.
0: I mean, we were coming over here for an interview and we basically spent the whole day with you, yeah, which was incredible. such a treat. And uh, two hours in your library, uh, that is probably one of the coolest, if not the coolest, room that i've ever been in and just you know um want to inspire anyone out there listening if you're in the la or malibu area and and you can make it here in some way shape or form it is absolutely worth it you will never see anything like this again um i am sure of it (laughs) um thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us and your, your beautiful art oh. um, your with us. And your cats, yes. <laughs> I have absolutely gotten my creature fixed today and have the hair on my pants and clothing to prove it. And I'm, <laughs> yes. I, I'm taking it as a token of love.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um,
0: and uh, we've just had an, a wonderful time. And um, uh, thank you for all of your gifts.
2: Oh, well, thank you so much. It's been... <laughs> absolute delight hanging out with you guys and talking and i do i feel the better story heals in ways we can't begin to imagine thanks for sharing better story Mm -hmm. thanks for what you do and may all sorts of grace and wondrous success just flourish Mm -hmm. and really share your message and how you're you're really your ideals of sharing the better story which i share so much with you Mm -hmm. so bless you both thank you really, thank, thank you. you thank
0: you we received that to everyone listening thanks for hanging out with us uh we will talk to you next time go spread some light and find some creativity and remember to focus on more of what you love less of what you hate if, if you took anything from this conversation take that stick it in your pocket and run with it talk to you next time Bye. hey friend Thanks for listening. Did you hear anything today that expanded your mind, made you laugh, touched your soul, or caused you to think differently about this topic? I hope so. I invite you to share this episode with someone you love. It takes 30 seconds and has the potential for a great ripple effect. Our world needs more people having real, honest, and open-minded dialogue on big topics. And you never know, you may just change their entire day. We love you and appreciate you being here with us. Cheers.